You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne, and this is Kilcullen Diary. One of the nature events in this area for National Heritage Week 2022 was a visit last evening to Pollardstown Fen, a protected wetland area behind Newbridge. The event was hosted by the Kildare branch of Birdwatch Ireland, in association with the Irish Midlands Ringing Group. A larger-than-expected turnout was welcomed by Neil Burke, chairman of the branch. In his introductory talk, Neil Burke noted that conservation projects are a key element of the portfolio of Birdwatch Ireland. As an example, among the birds that are in need of human intervention is the barn owl. The barn owl is a bird that really struggles, you know, due to tidiness in the countryside in general, um, the dirt and the lack of small mammals that were in Ireland until recently, and I'll come back to that, and the lack of their nest sites, and Dutch elm disease um, caused a lot of elm trees to fall and break, and they gave nesting uh, locations for barn owls. We've lost a lot of big trees in the countryside as well, so barn owl boxes are taken up readily by the barn owls. So we've 102 barn owl boxes scattered around the county. 102. It's a slow burn, I have to say, when you put up a barn owl box. You, there's not likely to be a queue of people like there is in Dublin for an apartment. <laughs> you might have to wait four or five years before a barn owl even looks in the box. But we've had some success in the county, but we're expecting a lot more in the future. The Kildare branch last year ringed about 11 owls from three different nests. Neil Burke also noted that the branch maintains nesting boxes for dippers, kestrels, swifts, and for smaller passerine perching birds, including sparrows and similar. The ground nesters are in trouble because, you know, there's more cattle on the ground, there's more activity from machinery, there's less of the marginal land uh, left in the countryside. So there's a general squeeze on their uh, living areas. But that's not only Ireland, the whole of Europe. And wade, ground nesting waders across the whole of Europe are struggling bad. So we're bemoaning the fact that maybe we've had three, 4,000 nesting curling 40 years ago. And today we have less than 100. I, I'm afraid to even look at the reports lately and the success rate of the breeding, those that are attempting is abysmally low. Another bird that's been left on the ground and is a wader is the lapwing. The lapwing. Now, estimates of breeding lapwing in the country are about five or six hundred. They, they tend to nest in, in numbers, in colonies, together, but you will often find single nests. And they will nest in winter barley fields, early in the spring. And of course, that's, that's, that's a doomsday situation. That's going to grow up and end up like um, a forest for them, and they won't be able to feed the chicks, find the chicks, and just be no food in there. For the last three years, Kildare Birdwatch has had a project preserving a field for lapwings, and they had 13 nests in that field last year. They're expecting more next year because they're erecting a fence against predators. The introduction over the walk proper started off along the boardwalk that makes passage through the Pollardstown Fen an easy and accessible endeavour. To begin, Neil Burke explained what a fen is. 
it's a ground-fed wetland. We have many different types of wetlands in Ireland, but this is a spring-fed from under the ground, and I think there's something around 20 different springs coming up in, individually around the fen. The water is coming from, they say, the rain that fell on the curra. And the rain, obviously, is, the curra is porous, and the rain comes straight down underground into an aquifer and comes bubbling up to the surface here by, um, by water pressure, right? Um, up to the surface. When you see some of the places around here where the water is coming up and where it's just flowing, it's crystal clear. I get an awful thirst on me when I come to Pollard South End. I, I say, why didn't I bring my cup? I could have dipped in and had a drink. <laughs> And so you get this type of um, sedges, uh, grasses, reeds type of environment. And this would attract, and all, all of these, uh, that's an ash. We have a lot of uh, birch here. This is full of insects, creepy crawlies, insects laying eggs, dragonflies, damselflies. This place is alive in the spring and the early summer with all kinds of small passerines, particularly warblers. Chiff chaffs and willow warblers, black cap, will deafen you in this type of area in this uh, in this spring and summer. They're notably silent this time of the year. For last evening's event, the birds were quiet, as they tend to be molting in their nests at this time of the year. And if you're wondering, that sound in the background wasn't a swallow, but a swallow lure for the bird ringing that was taking place later. Further on, passing swathes of white meadowsweet wildflowers, Neil talked about willow warblers and a kingfisher that he'd seen in the area. They're not scarce, he answered to one question, but they're very local. You know, you won't find them in stubble fields and up in mountains. You'll find them uh, waterways, fresh, water, fresh fast-flowing water, right. shallow, uh, with, with pools and ponds where minnows and sticklebacks can be fished. And as for the meadowsweet itself, Neil's knowledge wasn't just about birds. And the meadowsweet, that, that has you know, historically some medicinal um, purposes. There's a certain type of um, aspirin-type chemical, salicylic acid. If you look up medicinal um, herbal books, you will find that that has its use in, uh, as an analgesic, I think is the right word to use, like a painkiller, like aspirin. Yep. But... Uh, it always, all those books urge caution because, you know, it can affect your stomach lining, just like we know aspirin does. It can, tends to bleed, give you bleeding and things like that. And some people are acutely uh, allergic to, to aspirin, you know. So, be careful. We wandered further, and as dusk grew closer, the sky took on various hues. The grasses and reeds and flowers of the fen began to lose their colour. And apart from the swallow lure in the background, all was quiet. This type of environment attracts, like in the summertime, for instance, sedge warblers, the grasshopper warbler. I don't know, have you ever heard a, heard a grasshopper going like, like that? Or a cricket, even more so? That's what they sound like. And there's always one or two here in the summertime. Just gone over the time when they'll be singing, but sedge warblers in, are plentiful. You'll have uh, White throat out there in the scrubby bits of the, the bushy birch. There are snipe in here. 
and you know if we, we later on in the evening you might might hear a snipe they might just get up and fly around but the flatness what birds like an, a, 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 an area like this well there are a lot of birds it's like open countryside and one of them is the harrier the hen harrier or the marsh harrier the hen harrier is, is a bird that is iconic much loved in Ireland but decreasing as a breeding bird mm. we're down to about maybe a hundred attempted mm. breeding attempts this uh, now this year the survival of the juveniles is getting more and more precarious and that's a sad a sad thing because the hen harrier is absolutely gorgeous the way he flies he loves 300 meters above sea level mm. for roosting in the winter the male and breeding in the summer and in the wintertime, the females, most of them will come down towards the coast, find roosts, winter roosts along the coast, and feed along the coast in stubbles and scrubby areas where there's a lot of passerines. They don't nest here, but this is the kind of place you would see them in the winter passing over because they like openness and they, could, they fly over here and by stealth they might put up a small bird, poof, pounce on it, or eat a small mammal, or amphibians. They like to eat frogs as well. And the marsh harrier then, now I don't know, is there one, maybe two marsh harrier breeding attempts in the country every year? You know, it, it's almost nothing, right? There was rumours the last couple of years that there was a pair somewhere down in Kerry trying to uh, breed. But in Tecumseh in Wexford and a few other places around the country, you will find regular winter, wintering marsh harriers. Marsh harriers bigger again than the hen harrier, different coloration, but um, magnificent, the, the flight. You know, they, they can kind of hover, go backwards, go forwards, go up, go down, fly fast, dive. They, you know, they have this aerial acrobatic ability that is uh, astounding to watch. Moving on, we heard about how even nature's changes in the fen will inevitably change the birds who pass by or drop in. As trees grow, for instance, birds of prey like peregrines and buzzards don't have the wide, flat areas they prefer to hunt in. Meantime, it was now dark enough for the swallows to come down to roost. The Irish Midlands ringing group had set up nets to catch the juveniles as they swooped to the sound of the lure. The net is designed not to injure, and the work of ringing takes a very short time before they're released again. The group's Graham Prohl described the process. Every year we ring five or six hundred with small metal rings. We catch them here. We never catch the same bird twice. So they come in, yeah. These are all juveniles, so we don't get adults. The juveniles are gregarious, so they flock together. So they all come from everywhere, from Northern Ireland or whatever. They find a place and then they all roost together. So by playing a lure tape, yeah, which we were licensed to do, they'll all try and go into the reeds right beside the lure tape Tomorrow morning at first light, they'll be up and off to Wexford. Yeah, and then they'll cross, some of ours cross to southern England. Yeah, and then they have various different routes down to um, Africa. Another member of the ringing group, which was formed in 2013 and operates mostly in Leinster, brought us further through the process. Um, and you can see the nets made of, of pockets so that once they're in there they can't see anything but net in any direction um, and so they'll just lie there and wait um, and we'll come along and we'll take them out of the pocket and out of the net 
um, and take them back there to um, process and then we'll process them as in we'll put a ring on, we'll weigh them and then we'll let them go wow. so that they're back in where they were trying to roost anyway okay. um, in within a few minutes. For Neil Burke, who previously lived in Holland and has long been interested in birds, the Gildare branch of Birdwatch Ireland was a natural home for him when he returned to live here. On one of his first outings with the group, he heard the distinctive of the great spotted woodpecker, which had been common in the yard of his home on the continent but was scarce enough in this part of Ireland. He was able to point it out to colleagues in the outing who had never seen one before. On last evening in Pollardstown, though there was little to see because of the time of the year, Neil was very taken with the numbers who had turned out for the event and what it meant for local biodiversity. I believe that um, the people here have voted with their feet tonight. They have said, we want more biodiversity, we want more room for birds, we want to know more about it, and we want our politicians and local councillors to know more about them as well. And, of course, this will be getting back to the people that, uh, that count to realise that um, it, it's very important to people and that uh, more has to be done, let's say, to protect vulnerable species and also the species that are not so vulnerable because today we may look at a sparrow or a, a, a magpie or something and say, oh, it's just a sparrow, just a magpie. In 20 years' time, that could be threatened in this country because of all kinds of pressures, be they climate, habitat, uh, feed, some type of disease. You know, some, some birds are severely threatened by disease. You're, you're well aware of the avian flu um, hitting the seabird colonies but that, that comes inland in the autumn I found a merlin last year a merlin, a bird of prey with avian flu the, um, the, the greenfinch is susceptible to a, a very bad infection as well and numbers fluctuate um, annually, every, every couple of years I say, but on average the trend is downwards The size of the group that came to Pollardstown is an indication that we are becoming aware of the need to preserve and enhance our biodiversity, particularly our bird life. But can more be done? I believe that schools play a vital role. I have given a talk a year ago to schools in the middle of the pandemic when everything was locked down and it was originally sixth class and as I started the principal of the school said can you wait a minute Neil I'm going to turn on fourth and fifth class as well and with a flick of a switch on went the screen in those three I was talking to three classes I believe the schools are um, uh, they say ripe to take on biodiversity and the, um, the knowledge the deeper knowledge of birds I believe people have a very cursory knowledge of birds they, they could recognise a few species, but they're not aware of them in the sense of the comings and goings on an annual basis, the, the, the overall numbers in the country. What is unique to Ireland about birds and things like that? And finally, given all that effort, is Neil Burke happy that there will be improved biodiversity amongst our native bird population? Overall, I'm very optimistic, given the fact that the, um, there's a greater awareness. There's focus now on the SPAs and SACs in the country. There is, um, in the past, we've had the gloss scheme for farmers. Now we have acres, and there's 1.2 billion going into that. The details of which just came out, I believe, um, three or four days ago. This is um, where farming and biodiversity are going to be mixed. We're going to get a mixed version of, of these things and um, I'm very optimistic 
Further, given the re-wetting of the Midlands by Bordelamona, 80,000 hectares odd, some of which is already wet, some is about to come on stream. The future, once that once that kicks in, once that re, re, regrowth happens, in 20, 30 years' time, we're going to have the biggest, most diverse wetland in Europe, I believe. Neil Burke of Birdwatch Ireland finishing this podcast from the visit to Pollardstown Fen as part of Irish Heritage Week 2022. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Cagullan Diary. Thank you for listening.